Well, the Lord be with you. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. I'm going to read starting at verse five. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. This is the word of the Lord. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Saved us from what? Saved us for what? What is holiness? What is a holy life? So I have four questions that I'm going to use to sort of organize this little chat. Question one, what is holiness? Question two, what is a holy life? Question three, why would anyone want one? And question four, how would a person get one? So let's start in on number one, what is holiness? Well, there's three little definitions or three different uh, ways to talk about holiness. And the first one, I think, is the biggest one. The first understanding of the way the Bible talks about holiness is true only of God and of no one else. The Bible, various places, says that only you are holy. There's no one like you. There never will be anyone like you. Now, what it's talking about is God's ontological holiness. You like that word? Big word. It means that God is a kind of being unlike any other being that ever exists. You can search the ends of the universe and you will never find another being that is equal to God in size, in scope, in wisdom, in strength in kindness, in, we're talking about his godness, if you could make up new words. No one else is like God. Every other creature, every other intelligent being is small, finite, and weak, and in comparison, it becomes silly and strange and even foolish to compare. And the, we come up against the limitations of human descriptors when we encounter such a being. And so we end up coming up with new words like holy. And so the angels endlessly come to the end of their computing capacity. And Isaiah chapter 6 and other passages like Revelation 5, we, we read it last week, end up having the angels or the saints just constantly in heaven crying out what? 
holy, holy, holy. And of course, if you know anything about Jewish stuff, they'll tell you that the re- repetition of the third time is for exaggerated emphasis. It's a way of saying, whoa, wow, seriously, holy. So that's the first sense of holiness. It's the kind of holiness that God has and only God has. It's the kind of holiness that creates a sense of wonder in those who experience it and a wow. I I read a, a person this week that said that the kind of holiness God has is more whoa than wow. And I thought... Ugh, spoken like a, okay, I'm not going to label. That guy's not in my camp, though he is in my family. Yes, the holiness of God is allowed to cause us to say wow and not just whoa. We're allowed to get happy about his holiness, not just repent. We're allowed to view God's holiness as a beautiful, magnificent, incredible delight something that becomes the treasure we seek, not just something that scares the tar out of us so that we go, ah, I better obey. But that was the impression one of the gentlemen I read on an article on holiness had. That holiness, he said something like, the only appropriate response to the holiness of God is deep remorse at our sin. And I thought, son, you need to get saved. After you have deep remorse of your sin, you know what else happens? Then you experience forgiveness And then you know you're a son, you know you're a daughter, you know you have a squeaky clean conscience, and then you say, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, you are in Luke 15, where it says, one of my favorite verses should be on the back wall, and so the party began. Holiness is not in some way incompatible with humor and happiness. In fact, it's the reason there are such things. All right. So what is holiness? Holiness is, number one, that way in which God is totally unique and different from every other creature. That's the first sense. Holiness is, number two, a way of describing when something or someone is set apart for God. So to say that the tongs, the tongs, you use them to pick up pieces of meat. The tongs in the tabernacle, they are holy. Why? Well, they're not allowed to be used for anything except the worship of God. The candlesticks in the, temple, in the tabernacle and the temple later, they are holy. You can't grab them and use them to light your romantic dinner. That would be inappropriate because they are holy. They are dedicated, consecrated, set apart exclusively for the worship and service of God. So what does it mean then when it says that God's people are holy? It means that at one time we lived for many things. But then a day came when God chose us and took hold of us and consecrated us to be used for one thing, His worship. There was a day when you were not living for the Lord. There was a day when you were living for self and stuff and acquisition of goods and achievements and accomplishments and you were living for pleasure, you were living for stuff. I don't know. We were all living for various things. But then there was a day when we crossed over a threshold and we entered into covenant and something changed in heaven regarding us and something changed in our hearts. And the next day we woke up and now... We used to live for a lot of things, but now we lived for one thing. Now we've been 
set apart so that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it as worship. First sense of holiness, the ontological, only true of God. Second sense of holiness can be true of items, can be true of people, can be true of, well, how would we put it like this? Can be true of nations, according to the Old Testament? Interesting, right? And then there's the third sense. So the second sense is consecrated, set apart, dedicated. The third sense of holiness used in the Bible has to do with what God is like in his character, his characteristics. Therefore, it has to do with what we're called to be like in our characteristics, in our attitude. So the third kind has to do with the moral perfections. Whoa, grab my pants and drag that right down there. I don't even know what I was saying. I was just like, man, that would have been terrible. <laughs> Knocked the whole thing over. And I used to have a pair of pants that had like a hook for a paintbrush. Yeah. That was always getting hooked on stuff. You'd be walking along, wham, you're all of a sudden just hanging there by a Why do they put these on my jeans? You picked them out. Yeah, I got to just cut them off with the scissors. But, that would, but then how am I supposed to hold my paintbrush on Thursday at school? Um, third sense. Of holiness. Wait, look, pop quiz. What were the first two? First kind of holiness was? And it was true of who? And, and does that mean you can be holy in that sense? Never. No. That's the essence of saying never, number one, is saying we're not Mormons. Look it up. What I'm saying is accurate. Okay. Essence number two of holiness is what? So next time you're out barbecuing and you're using the tongs or whatever and you're grabbing the meat and you're flipping it over, you can be thinking, hey, these are holy unto the grill. In the same way that you are called to be holy unto the Lord. And the third sense has to do with moral purity or moral perfections. Now, in the Old Testament, when they would offer animals to the Lord as sacrifices, God often said very carefully, hey, I want, like, say, a ram or a lamb, and it has to be without defect. Right? Why? It's your best, right? Now, interestingly enough, when we talk about God's holiness in the third sense, it's amazing today. What's going on up here? Is there also a trap door that I will discover in a minute? Then the, then the gentleman I was reading earlier would be like, he, taught, he said that the Lord has a sense of humor and see what happened to him. <laughs> no, I like it. Keep it going. We want to give God an offering fit for his worth, right? We want to give him, we don't want to give him the, the blemished lambs. We want to give him the best. Now, that's interesting because it's been consecrated since number two, to the Lord, it also, we want it to be the best, sense number three. And for us, we're not talking about our, when we talk about our holiness unto the Lord, we're not talking about our, our physical attributes, are we? Oh, left-handed people have to stay out. Oh, you know. No, no that's not what it's about. It's about our, our attitudes and actions lining up with God's 
moral perfections. Now, here's the, here's the deal. You can preach holiness. Now, that's jumping ahead. Okay. I won't, I'll refrain myself. Don't jump ahead. So, question one, what is holiness? Three things. Holiness in the sense of God is totally unique and different. Holiness is being set apart for the Lord. And the third sense is holiness has to do with the moral excellence that God has in his character, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in us, holiness, sometimes we use the word godliness to talk about when, who, when how he is becomes how we are. Okay? That's what it is. Okay, so question two. What is a holy life? Well, I bet just from what we've talked about so far, we can begin to come at that, can't we? A holy life would be not sense one. It would be senses two and three. A holy life is a life that's set apart, not for profane use, but for sacred use. Now, some people would go, oh, that's why if you're really serious about Jesus, you should become a pastor or a missionary. But you'd be wrong. Because God created everything. And he created every personality profile. And he created every vocation. And he created, you know, Adam and Eve, they weren't priests. They were farmers. Right? Jesus was a carpenter. And apparently, that pleased the Lord for 30 years-ish. I don't know the details. So when, when, when we talk about called to live a holy life, we don't mean a missionary or a priest, unless that's what you're supposed to do. Well, pastor, not a priest. But okay, that's details. So what do we mean? Well, we, need, we mean holiness number two in the sense that whatever we're doing, we're doing it, in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. That's, that's the first sense, consecration. In a manner, everything is being done unto the Lord because we have been uniquely set apart to belong to the Lord. Like I said, there was a day when your life was about many things and then you woke up and after, after uh, coming under the Lordship of Jesus and now your life is about one big thing. Then there's the third sense. A holy life is a life that bears the, the family likeness. It's a life that bears the loving imprint. Holiness is love, people. God is love. Same article I referenced earlier, the dude when he was talking about God's attributes. Guess which attribute he listed first? He listed justice first. I was like, oh my goodness, this guy, this guy. Oh, man. Everything God is flows from love. Everything, whatever else God is flows from his love. The essence of who God is is holy love. Now, for us to lead holy lives, another way to put that is to say lives that are ruled by love, the becoming the kind of people who love, and I'm going to say this and somebody's not going to like it, 
naturally and effortlessly. A holy life is a life that is becoming, like God, a a life of natural effortless love. Where love is the first response, love is the gut response, love is the attitude of the heart. That's a holy life. That's a holy life. So, okay, which leads us to question three. Why would anyone want a holy life? Well, okay. Right away, when you say a holy life, should I say my goodbyes too? Love you guys. You're awesome. You're amazing. Have fun. Right away, when you say lead a holy life, it evokes for many of us who have church background some impressions from our past. Does it not? And if it doesn't for you, praise God for that. Because some of us have seen holiness embodied as a very rigid, structured life of rule-keeping. Some of us have seen holiness as a preacher who is maintaining the standards of the community by explaining and instructing what we expect you to be like because this is what holiness means. Don't go to the theater, wear this kind of pants, spend your money this way, don't have a colorful, ostentatious car, don't wear makeup, whatever it is. I mean, whatever it is. And at the end of the day, many of us, when we talk about God's holiness... Instead of envisioning the most beautiful, happy, safe, loving, um, uh, just like kind, incredible, approachable being that is the foundation of our lives, the one that we're drawn to, instead of that, when we sometimes think of holiness, we think of uh, almost like bugs getting zapped by that blue neon light that's surrounded by the electrical current fence thing that zappers. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God is the one that... There's, a, there's this weird, morbid part of you that wants to be in his presence, but then you're a dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner, and if you get too close, eh, and then we smell your burnt hairs, and it's yucky. I'm not kidding. Like, this is some people's impression of holiness, that on the God angle, it's a fearful judgment. And on the human angle on the earth, it's a life of rule-keeping and austerity, right? Far cry from the God of the Bible who invented sex. It was, his, it was Jesus' idea to make sex and poetry and rock and roll and meaningful friendships and, and give us a heart that says, this planet's not big enough. I want to go to Mars. Like, the desire for holiness is often misguided and gets us into trouble. But it's really a yearning for a holy life that drives most of us all the time. We just don't call it that. Sin is usually just trying to take shortcuts to get something better than sin is promising that we were, that we were created for called a holy life. So, like... I'm saying, why would anyone want a holy life? If we saw God clearly, not as some sort of uh, lawgiver in the sky, but as who he is, the author of every good and perfect gift, 
the author of every good and perfect gift, the author of all the, the passion that he, that he put in you, the sense of humor, the sense of wonder, the strong desire to be a part of something that's faithful and true and right and good, the need to, to go on, all these things that are burning in your belly as humans, they come from who he is, his image in you. But sin likes to twist and distort those things, and sin twists and distorts our perception of him. But if we could see him as he is, we would want to be close to him. And if we could see what he means by live a holy life, it's a life, it's a John 10.10 life. He doesn't have a moral straight. Jesus has no desire to control you. I mean, all over the world, people think that's what he wants. All over the world, people think his desire is to get his way. And he's going to threaten you with hell. He's going to strong arm you. He's going to shotgun weddings to Jesus. We call it converge. Do you recognize that you're a dirty, rotten sinner and you're disgusting and I can't stand you right now? And if you were to die tonight, would you be ready? I don't feel in love with God through this process of evangelism at all. I just feel in love with saving my butt from fire. And if the gospel is the lavish love and mercy of Jesus so that we turn from all this poison we've been eating thinking it's going to give us life that's actually killing us and instead drink from me and live, eat from me and live, this is what I was longing for all my life. Seems like maybe our evangelism strategy ought to adjust to the real gospel. A God who so loved the world, he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it, because it is so not his heart to see us die that he would rather die than kill his enemies. And the life he's called us into is John 10.10. 10. It's abundant life. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life, abundant life. But the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I think if we saw God as he really is, and we saw a holy life like it really is, we would want a holy life. And I'm arguing a holy life is what we're actually all wanting to get. We just don't usually call it by that name. All right. So, <laughs> saved from what? Sin and death. Saved for what? Life and immortality and love and relationship. I've said this so many times in here, but I love this quote from Dallas Willard because it's playful and sneaky and it sounds irreverent, but it's not. Jesus is so loving that if you found a better way to live than the one he's endorsing and the one he's offering you, he'd want you to take it. I know, we're not supposed to tell him that the, that's the sneaky... Bunny says, well, you can't find a better way to live than the one... I know, Bunny, that's the, the... The point, though, is he genuinely doesn't want to control you. He wants you to come into the reason you were created. And holiness is that, is that life, that best life, 
that life of thriving, that life of love, that life of freedom, that life of peace. So question one, what is holiness? Boom, got it. Question two, what is a holy life? Got it. You guys are all geniuses now. Question three, how it, why would anyone want one? I think we, well, we, let's just be optimistic. Like Paul, and we know. It's apostolic optimism. I'll just join him in that. Check, done, got it. Question four, how would a person get a holy life? How do we get one? Man, my personality wants to just say, and that's your homework assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like it's so patronizing to take this huge, beautiful theme and then like bullet point it, like boop. You know, like, wouldn't that be like taking the complexity of poetry and being like, make sure it rhymes. Oh, man, that's really not helpful. Why are we in here when they're crop dusting out there? We should be taking pictures of him crop dusting and thinking the meaning of his life is to dust these crops but not die. He's just so glad that this farmer was like, you know, I think the best delivery method to get this weed, to get this insect killer and weed, I think the best delivery method would be you in a biplane. And he's like, yes, yes, the lottery. I have won the lottery. I don't care what you pay me as long as I can just pay my bills. How do we get a holy life? Question four. Well, holiness, first of all, is a heart matter, isn't it? Part of what I've just said in my little... Yuck, what it's not is just a sort of list of rules to keep so that we don't offend God or the community. But real holiness, according to Jesus, and real holiness as evidenced by what happened in the conflicts Jesus had with religion, is a heart matter. it's, It's not as simple as establishing biblical, the biblical position on this issue. I mean, we all... Doesn't it seem like that? We, so many of us want that. The church even craves how-to manuals on everything. So that if a sermon like, invites you to fall in love with Jesus, that's going to get less clicks than like three easy ways to make more money as a Christian or some nonsense. You know what I mean? We like listicles, articles that are lists. We like how-tos. Oh, I know it's people in general, but it's true in the church too. And so it becomes like issue-driven. What is holiness? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Avoiding rated rated R movies. Well, that's so narrow. The Bible's rated R. There's some parts of it that are NC-17. Surely we have more discernment than that to think holiness is just, you can bullet point it out. Holiness is a heart matter. Let me put this out there. If we are consecrated to the Lord, if we've set ourselves apart to belong to Him, then maybe, maybe one central commitment could guide us into a holy life. And that is, I want to please the Lord. So if, some, if, he, if there's some behavior that is displeasing to the Lord, this sounds real simple, right? 
I want to not do that. And very important, I want to understand why. And where are you going to get the understanding? God reveals God. Can you see how what I'm describing, which is if something displeases the Lord, I don't want to be a part of it. Here's the flip side, and maybe I should have said this first. If something brings joy to his heart, I want to be about that. And I want to understand why. If something displeases the Lord, I want to avoid that, and I want to understand why. I want to start to learn to see and live from his perspective toward life. Right? Now, that attitude will take us a long way in holiness. Now, some people then would just say to the people around them, this is what I believe, therefore, if you don't live it, you're not holy. That's unhelpful, and the Bible actually gives us a lot of practical instruction on how to not be a jerk while still being sincere. It, it does. There's a lot of instruction, practical instruction on how to have relationships in the church on matters where you and I disagree about what pleases the Lord. Where we are able to say, you know what, you belong to Jesus, and I belong to Jesus. He signs my checks and gives me my report cards, and he signs yours, and I'm not the teacher. I'm not the Lord. He's the Lord. You already have one. It's not me. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to bless you and honor you, and we're going to be different. It's okay. Right? No? Wrong? Right? Maybe? I'm... I'm very confused by your nonverbal reactions there because some, Tim Fried even said right and then shook his head, so I'm a... <laughs> Holiness is a heart matter. It's about what we love. It's about what we desire. It's about what we want. It's about what we think about in our free time. It's about what our thoughts return to over and over. That's the holiness issue. Holiness is about what we want, what our attitudes are, what we think about, what we yearn for. Holiness is a relational reality. It's about walking with God, who is alive and speaks. He's not dead. He didn't leave us a book and say, good luck. He's here now. And he's very communicative. So holiness is a heart matter. Holiness is a relational reality. And I just have some few little pointers. If I call them rules, that would be humorous and wrong. But I would urge all of us to stick close to the Holy Spirit and let him reteach us. Let him reteach us about life. Because oftentimes, we've been wrong. I would, I would encourage all of us to stick close to the Holy Spirit. I would encourage us to keep short accounts with God. If you know there's something he wants you to do and you've been putting it off, <laughs> just, you know, stop putting it off. Go for it. Keep short accounts. Sometimes a little act of obedience to a nudge has much bigger consequences in kingdom than we might think. I'm sure I've told you the story of how I stole beef jerky when I worked for Big Lots before I met Jesus, and then after I met Jesus, I had to go back and make restitution. That's the kind of ouchy, yucky stuff that, look, 
my conscience was clean after that. Before I did that, it was not clean. And somebody might be like, that's not the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses. Yeah, the blood of Jesus did. That's why I was in right relationship, which is why my spirit was wide awake and alive, which was why I was aware that I had grieved the Lord, which is why I was able to be convicted, because I was under the blood. I wasn't condemned before the Lord. I was being directed by the Lord. Big difference. So don't, don't delay. Keep short accounts with God. Another, another, way to go, how to get a, another way to get a holy life or attribute of going after a holy life is go after joy. Holiness is happiness. God created every creature. He's the happiest being who ever lived. God is. God is the happiest. He's the funniest. He has the greatest sense of humor. He has the best time. And holiness is the happiest life. It's funny. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1, it says of Jesus, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than he has anyone else. Well, that's fascinating. You love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Oh, I thought we weren't supposed to hate anything. Well, you're wrong. Hate wickedness. Therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Yeah, but Jesus was a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. Yeah, I know. He can be a lot of things at the same time, guys. The oil of gladness more than anyone else. That's Jesus. The life of the party. The one the sinners are attracted to. The reason you got up this morning and came here. Jesus. So go after joy. I already said this, but don't tolerate sin in your own life. Don't do it. We, we kind of do, though, don't we? We're like, ah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to... Like Pharaoh with the frogs. Ask the Lord to remove the frogs, Moses, tomorrow. (laughs) Really? It just shows we still think that sin is giving us something holiness wouldn't. It, It shows a lack of understanding. It shows a lack of faith in what is actually true. He's not withholding. Okay. That's enough. Let's just stop. Go ahead and stand. God, who saved us and called us to lead a holy life. Hopefully, you guys will think a little bit differently about that verse. From now on, prayer team, go ahead and come forward. As always, if you want anyone to partner with you on an issue of intercession for someone else or physical ailments, or if you just want to hear a word from the Lord, please go ahead and come forward. All right, let's pray. Father, I bless this gathered people. May we together... Uh, gain upgrades in our understanding of your character and gain upgrades in our understanding of the life you've saved us and called us to live. I pray, God, that we would view your holiness as beautiful and we would view a life of holiness as the best life we could live. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of Jesus, 
Amen. Bless you guys.